How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you have your cell phone with you this morning? I, I have mine. I don't typically leave mine on the stage here because I'm afraid it might ring. But how many of you ever ask your phone a question? Have you ever done that? Talk to Siri? How many of you know who Siri is? I've never met Siri, but I've talked to her a lot of times. And did you know, well, most of you know this, you can ask Siri questions um, like this. Siri, where is the oldest church congregation in the state of Florida? Let's see. Okay, I found this on the web for where is the oldest church congregation in the state of Florida. Oh, she's going to make me look it up. She's not going to tell me. So what do you think? Where's the oldest church congregation in the state of Florida? Now, you don't have to look it up on your phone right now. Okay, where is it? Yeah. Okay, I heard St. Augustine and some other cities, but it's in St. Augustine. In fact, it's a congregation that began, check this out, in 1565. Pretty amazing. You can find out all kinds of things. Um, I was asking Siri other questions about churches, just kind of putting together some, some information. Do you know the average size of a church in America? What do you think? Less than 100, more than 100. Who says less than 100? You'd be right. It's about 75 people in the average church in America. Now, what about this? Do you know where the largest church in the world is located? Who knows? It's not in the U.S., it's in South Korea. In Seoul, South Korea, is a church that began in the late 50s, and it was started by a man, his name is David Cho, has over 800,000 members. Amazing, isn't it? And as I was thinking about all these facts about churches, I was reminded of this, that every single church has a story. And every single person in every single church has a story. And the story of a church is really the, the sum total of the individual stories of people who have decided to follow Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to share an important story with you, the story of Boynton Beach Community Church. Now, for some of you, the story of BBCC is closely tied to your story because you have been here since the beginning. Some of you, a handful of you, were there in the living room of Dick and Kim Amstoy when our church first began as a Bible study. And in those days, we would just move all the furniture out of the living room, and I would put my keyboard up and my guitar, and we would have church together. And those were some great, great times. Now, how many of you um, ever attended an event or a worship service at Manatee Elementary School? Some of you go back to those days. Um, how many of you ever attended a worship service or an event at Odyssey Middle School. Great. And how many of you have become a part of our church family since we moved into this building back in December of 2012? Wow, that's great. Now, here's what I want you to know. God is writing the story of Boynton Beach Community Church, and each one of you is connected to that story. And like you, my story, my life is connected to the story of this church. My wife's life is connected. Our family is connected to the story of this church. I remember I was working as a paramedic and a firefighter for the uh, fire department in Hialeah when I first sensed God calling me to be a pastor. And at first I resisted that call. I did not want to be a pastor. I actually told God this. I said, you can't make me become a pastor. I'd since learned that that was not the best thing to say. Because here's what happened. I, 
I had this perception that, you know, if I became a pastor, um, I was going to go through what I had seen so many others go through. Because Chris and I knew a lot of pastors and their families growing up. And we had seen some of the warping pressures that come into pastors' lives and into their families. And at the same time, I really wanted to pursue a career in medicine. And so I stood at this crossroads, should I go to medical school and become a physician, because that was one possible option for me, or should I go to graduate school, to seminary, and, and become a pastor? And I remember one night I was talking to God about this decision, and I started praying, and it got later and later, and I actually prayed through the night and wrestled with God. And when the sun came up, God had changed my heart. And he had given me a deep desire to be a pastor. And I said, God, look, here's the deal. I'm going to follow you wherever you lead me from now on. I'm, I'm giving my life, my future to you. But here's the deal. God, you've got to figure out how to do this because I don't know how it's going to work out. I really don't. I've got a wife. I've got three kids. And, and I need to go to school. And I need to find a place for us to live and bills and you know what I discovered is simply this, that where God guides, God provides. That's been true in my life, and it's been true in the ministry of our church. Well, during that last year in graduate school, I had to decide what was next, and Chris and I began to talk, and one option for me was to go work on an existing church staff or to try to start a church from scratch. And because Chris and I both have entrepreneurial spirits, we thought, you know, that's really what we believe God's calling us to do. And so we were going to a church at that point. It was called West Boca Presbyterian Church in Boca Raton. That church was planted by Spanish River Church. And so our church is actually a granddaughter church of Spanish River because we took five families from that church, and that was our core group to begin a new church in this area. And we began meeting, like I said, in the home of Dick and Kim Amistoy, and in just a very short time, in just a couple of months, we had outgrown the house, and we needed another place to meet, and so we found a place called Manatee Elementary School. And I still remember our, our first worship service there. Every Sunday, we had to bring all the stuff, the sound equipment. We had to set up classes and chairs and, and all of that. And on that first Sunday, I talked about one of my favorite Bible stories, the story of the prodigal son. How many of you are familiar with that story? It's in Luke chapter 15. And the reason I chose that story is because in many respects, it was my story. I had grown up learning about God and about the Bible, and, and I had been told a million times, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Only problem was, I had a different plan for my life. And like the boy in that story, I decided, hey, I'm leaving home, and I'm going to go discover who I am and what I want to be and what I want to do. And like the boy in the story, I ended up in a place where I didn't want to be any longer, and I came to my senses. And when I came home to my Father in heaven, I discovered something that changed my life. I found grace. I found a God who loved me even when I didn't deserve to be loved. And I still remember that first Sunday at Manatee, I was, I was speaking about this, this incredible love and grace of God, and at the end of the message, I told the people there, I said, listen, if you want to come home to God, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God loves you. He will welcome you back. You need to trust Jesus. And I said, if you want to trust Jesus, now's the time. And on that Sunday morning, I remember the date. It was March the 26th, 1995. Eight people in that service said, I want to follow Jesus Christ. And our church was launched. And I remember what an exciting day that was. 
From the very beginning, church, we have always known this about Boynton Beach Community Church, and this is on your outline. Our foundation, our foundation is on Jesus. I want you to look at this verse. This is from the Old Testament. It's actually a verse about Jesus, and it says this. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes, and notice this, need never be shaken. How many of you this morning need a firm foundation for your life? We all do. Things are changing so quickly all around us. We need a foundation to build on that will stand against the storms of life. And that foundation, as we know, is Jesus Christ. Look at this verse from 1 Corinthians. Paul says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, it's possible for churches to try to build on a different foundation. A church can try to build on the foundation of of programs, the foundation of, of money. Some churches try to build on the foundation of politics. Some churches try to build on the foundation of the personality of a pastor. But the only way the church will ever be strong and safe and secure is when it is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ because the scripture says this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and for how long? Forever. And so, church, we need to build our collective foundation on Jesus Christ, but we need to build our individual lives on Christ alone. I know that some of you right now are going through some really difficult times. What you need to remember is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a foundation that will never shift or give way. You can trust Jesus Christ and his promises to you. Well, as time went on, we met at Manatee for a number of years, and we began to look for a permanent location. Back in February, this is 2001, we purchased five acres of property on Military Trail. Now, our plan was to purchase more property because there were several parcels that were all available that were adjacent to each other, and what happened is a developer came in and started buying up all of, all of that land, and that developer offered us about two and a half times what we originally paid for that five-acre parcel. So that was an easy decision for us to make. We sold the property and put the money in our building fund. And then as our church continued to grow and the search for property continued, something happened that was absolutely providential and remarkable. In 2005, uh, Chris and I had a conversation with a couple that some of you know, Bill and Joan Gaylor. And Bill and Joan um, just are committed Christians, and they had owned a lot of property here on Boynton Beach Boulevard. They actually sold 58 acres to the hospital next to us here, uh, Bethesda West. And Bill and Joan came to us and said, listen, we have some property adjacent to the hospital next door. It's about 10 acres. Would you consider building a church there? And we thought, God, this is just incredible because... Our church is called Boynton Beach Community Church, and you would want us to be on Boynton Beach Boulevard. We can kind of see the, the dots being connected. And I remember this. We went to the attorney's office to process the paperwork and, and sign over the, the deed to the, the land. And the attorney said, well, listen, we need to uh, fill in a blank here. It says purchase price. Um, I'm not sure what that is. 
And Bill looked at me and Chris was sitting there and he says, um, Dudley, how's a dollar sound? I said, Bill, that sounds really good. And so that was the number that's actually on the official document. This church was sold to us for one dollar. And that's just a remarkable evidence of God doing this, providing where he guides. Well, in August of 2006, our church moved from Manatee Elementary School to Odyssey Middle School. And some of you may still remember this sign that was on our property. Does anybody remember that sign? I used to drive by there all the time. Future home of Boynton Beach Community Church, now meeting at Odyssey Middle School. In 2007, we began the process of applying for a building permit here in Palm Beach County. And for those of us on that team, um, we discovered pretty quickly that that was a unique faith-building opportunity. Because it took us about three years to get our building permit. And on August the 5th of 2010, we finally were able to get that permit. And shortly thereafter, in January of the following year, we started to break ground. And I was so excited when I first saw this heavy equipment on the property because I knew it was real. Now things are going to move forward. And then we saw things like the paving of the parking lot. And I have this next slide because when I saw this, I was really excited our fire hydrant, man. And then, of course, other things began to happen. The foundation for the building was poured. The walls were constructed and they were being lifted into place. I remember this day taking this picture from across the street thinking, man, this is just remarkable. And, and the building, the shell of the, of the uh, church went up really, really fast. I remember standing here, that's me in the picture, and, and Chris was here, she took that picture, and we were talking about what was going to happen in the lobby of the church. And we were thinking about the people that will walk through the doors and hear about the good news of Jesus. And this is a, a picture of the church with all of the walls up. And I wanted to get to this point because there was something I really wanted us to be able to do. And some of you may remember this. I said, let's come here on a Saturday morning and let's write the names of people that we're praying for on these walls. How many of you remember that? That was such a powerful experience because families came and you wrote the names of people that you love, people that you want to have a new life by trusting Jesus. I, I remember, um, I've got a spot right over here under this screen where I've got names written, um, people in my family, friends that I want to know Jesus. And some of you have, have done that as well. And I was, I was thinking about the fact that you know, as we wrote these names, it was really an act of faith. And church, the reality for us is that not only is our foundation on Jesus, but this is also true. Our faith is in Jesus. Look at this verse from Galatians. It says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And that's why we wrote the names on the walls because we wanted other people that we love, that, that God's placed in our lives and on our hearts. We want them to come to faith in Jesus Christ so that they can have a new life. And friends, listen carefully. When you put your faith in people, you know what you get? You get what people can do. When you put your faith in technology, you get what technology can do. When you put your faith in money, you get what money can do. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get what Jesus Christ alone can do. 
And as your pastor, one of my greatest honors, one of my greatest privileges is that God has given me a front row seat to see him work in your lives. And over these years of being your pastor, I've seen remarkable things. I have seen marriages that were falling apart completely restored. I've seen people that, that were chained to alcohol and drugs and, and other addictions set free by the grace of God. I've seen people that had incurable diseases miraculously healed. I've seen God take kids who had wandered away from the faith, who had rejected what their moms and dads taught them, bring them back home so that they could find his forgiveness and freedom. I, I've seen people who are just on the edge, who weren't sure they even wanted to live anymore, find a new life by trusting Jesus Christ. And that has been a remarkable experience. But I'll tell you what, I have not been surprised that God has done those kinds of things because he's done that in my life. I remember when I was listening to a pastor, and you know, here at BBCC, we often talk about the bad news and the good news all the time. Well, I remember hearing the bad news and thinking, man, that's really bad. And this pastor that was preaching, man, he was making sure that we understood just how bad it was. And I thought, you know, I don't have any argument with this because I know I'm a sinner. I mean, I've done a lot of things that are wrong. I know that that God is holy and that God is just and he has to hold me accountable and that I'm going to be punished for every sin I've ever committed. But my thought was this, um, maybe I could just wait and, you know, somewhere down the road I'll decide that I want a different kind of life or that I want to follow Jesus. But for, for now, I just maybe should just, you know, keep going the way I'm going. And I remember that pastor quoted a verse from the Bible and he said, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Tonight is the night when God wants to rescue you. And I still remember that night because God rescued me that night. And I remember praying and saying, God, I, I believe this. I believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he's your son, that he came to this world, that he lived a perfect life. And I remember being so overwhelmed by the thought that my sins had put Jesus on the cross. That he died for me. It wasn't some hypothetical thing. It was personal. And I remember talking to God and saying, you know, I, I really do believe that Jesus died in my place and, and I believe that you raised him from the dead and, and God, I want to follow Jesus. I really, really do. And I remember it was like this, this weight of, of guilt just rolled off my back and I had this sense of freedom. I knew that I was completely forgiven and there was this joy that I couldn't explain. And it was all because of one thing, because of faith in Jesus Christ. And what Jesus wants us to, to know and to experience, and this is what I have learned, you know, when you become a Christian, it's because of faith in Jesus. But that's how you continue to live every day of your life, by trusting Jesus every single day and every hour of every single day. Look at this verse. It reminds us of that. For our life is a matter of what? It's a matter of faith, not sight. When God called me to, to be a pastor I looked around and I noticed that I had no people. I had no land and I had no buildings. And I had no money. But I did have one thing, I had faith. And with eyes of faith, I saw God bringing together a group of people who loved him, who loved each other, and wanted to make a difference in this world. And I remember I have an older brother and 
we had a conversation on the phone. And my brother hadn't been in church in decades. And he said, well, let me get this straight. Um, you're going to sell your house. You're going to move to Orlando. You're going to try to go to graduate school, and you have no idea how you're going to pay for it. And uh, he said, is that about it? I said, yep, that's about it. And what really stunned him is that was really out of character because I'm a planner. I like to know what's going to happen and how it's going to play out. And he had one question. He said, why? His name's Jim. I said, Jim, here's why. I said, because I really believe God's calling me to do this. And because I know that God's going to want me to stand up in front of people and tell them, you need to follow Jesus. You need to have faith. You need to step out and trust God with your life, even when you can't see what God is doing. And I told my brother, listen, if I am not willing to do that myself, how can I ever challenge other people to do that? And you know what he said? That makes sense. And friends, here's the thing about faith. Faith is not just talk, is it? It's not just what we say. It's what we actually do. And I've discovered this, that every time I trust God, every time I say, okay, God, I'm going to step out in faith, he meets me, and he proves himself faithful. I was thinking about this, this idea that faith always results in actions. And there was a time when we were trying to get into our building, we looked at the price of landscaping to meet the requirements of the county, and it was a really big number. And our leadership team had a suggestion, and it was this. What if we invited the people in our church family to help install the landscaping, you know, the shrubs and the sod and all that? And we thought, would they actually do that? And I remember the Sunday that I stood up front, and I was going to invite people to, to come and, and help us do that. And we thought, how could we really make this exciting? And I thought, we'll call it a landscape party, because everybody likes a party. And so we'll say, we're going to have a landscape party at Saturday. You don't want to miss it. Come and be a part of it. And, and I, I had no idea what was going to happen that next Saturday. And I was absolutely stunned because we had over 50 people who showed up. And here's the great thing. I've got some pictures. This will remind you of, of, uh, of that day. In fact, we had four consecutive landscaping parties. But what was so great is the people who showed up were happy. They were working really, really hard and smiling. And it was just a great time of using our talents and our time and making an investment in our church right here in Boynton Beach. And it didn't matter if you were old or young. Everybody pitched in. And that was just the most incredible day. And I remember when it was time to move from Odyssey Middle School, I said, hey, listen, We've got all this stuff, and we need to move it to the new location. And you know what happened? Because of your faith that God was at work, you sprang into action, and we started to move. Remember the purple chairs? Didn't you love the purple chairs? Some of you, not so much. But here's the thing. People responded. We took down the banners. We got ready to move. There was furniture that had to be assembled here, and people just volunteered to do that. We had a great team of volunteers we had people setting up the nursery. We had people that were getting ready for our first Christmas Eve service. In fact, our first service here at BBCC was an act of faith because do you remember where the first service took place, the first worship service? Yeah, it wasn't inside the building. It was outside under the canopy and under a really big tent because we thought we were going to get our CO and we didn't get it. And so we moved everything over from Odyssey. The only place we could meet was in the parking lot. 
And I remember the, the message that day. It was on Israel crossing the Jordan River. And I stood under the canopy and I said, listen, next week by faith, we're going to cross this threshold and we're going to get into this building. And that's exactly what happened. And so we began meeting in our present building on December the 16th, 2012. And what amazing things God has done since that time. We had a, a worship service in February of 2013 to dedicate this building to God. And as, as we look back and see what God has done, the remarkable things that God has done, it gives us a confidence as we move toward the future. Because not only is our foundation on Christ, not only is our faith in Christ, but our future is with Christ. Our future is with Jesus. This is a mission that Jesus gave his disciples. Now, some of you have heard these words a lot of times. But imagine being there and hearing Jesus actually speak these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, can you imagine the disciples just looking at each other and go, is he talking to us? I mean, how many of us are there? One, two, three disciples of all nations? But Jesus said, yeah, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then Jesus makes this incredible promise. And surely I am with you, how long? Always to the very end of the age. You know, if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, why did you come to this world? I think I know exactly what he'd say he said it before I came to heal the brokenhearted and to set the prisoners free Jesus Christ came to fundamentally change our lives and you've heard me say this before church that buildings don't change lives but what happens inside them does and every single Sunday lives are changed in this building in these classrooms little kids elementary age kids teenagers adults lives are being changed by the power of the gospel you see a building is essentially a tool. And I'd like to present some plans to you about how we can create a bigger and better tool for ministry so that more and more lives can be changed. Many of you know that the original design for our building project was about 24,000 square feet of space. This is the original site plan that was, um, was drawn. Now, when we first built our building, it was essentially phase one we decided that we could really only afford about 16,000 square feet. So that's the current size of our building at this point. You also know, many of you know, that right now we're bursting at the seams. On Sunday mornings, we, um, we have every single classroom being used for our ch children's ministry. And we're also um, really full in the nursery consistently every Sunday. And on Wednesdays, um, we have really run out of space to expand our Awana ministry. And we also need additional space for adult um, Bible studies as well. A few weeks ago, this happened. I had a meeting with a couple that had come through our membership seminar. And it was Wednesday night. And I could not find a place in this building to meet with them. My office was being used. And so we actually ended up using the copy room. And I apologized. I said, hey, I'm sorry that we have to meet in the, in the copy room. And you know what their response was? Hey, this is great. This is great because we're running out of space. We need more room to do ministry. And so this morning, I'm very excited to announce that we're moving ahead with plans to build the remaining portion of our master plan. And yeah, you can applaud that. God is really at work, and this 
additional space is going to involve about um, 9,500 square feet. And I've asked Chris to come up and just give you an idea of how that space is going to be used. You should have a handout in your hand so you can kind of follow along. There's a floor plan. We've got one on the screen, but it's really hard to see. And so you can just refer to the one that you have, Chris. There you can see it, right? We also thought you'd like to have this to take home with you, but it's exciting to see our church growing um, and just the fact that we need more space to teach and learn and share life together. And as I listened to Pastor Dudley tell the story of our church, I thought, I remembered back to some of the places that we have met and shared life together. Now, for children's ministry, some of you guys are going to remember this, um, we've had a number of different classrooms. The first one was actually the master bedroom of our home. That was during the Bible study that, that was the foundation for the church. Um, we used to actually take all the furniture out every week so we could have a kid's classroom. Um, and... That was the first one. The second one was the driveway of the Amistoy farm. When we decided to meet at the farm, we wondered if anybody would come there because you had to go down a long dirt road, and we thought everybody might think we were a cult. But um, we, um, as Pastor Dudley said, we cleared out their living room. Later on, Dick um, closed in the hallway where we put all the furniture because we figured he did that so we wouldn't ever come there and take all his furniture out again. But we um, actually set up a puppet theater out in the driveway, and that was where we we taught lessons to the children. Then we moved to Manatee, but Manatee was a brand new school, and they were really nervous about us using the classrooms, and so they would not allow us to use the classrooms. So we said, hey, we need a place for the kids, so we set up tables in the hallways and um, had Sunday school for kids, up to 50 kids. We'd have 50 kids in the hallways um, doing Sunday school. The nursery was in the teacher's lounge. So those are just a few places that our children's ministries have met um, during the years. Um, also, for women's and men's groups. Our ladies' Bible studies have met all over town. We used other churches and other locations. There was one place where the ladies um, used to have their ladies' Bible study every fall, and it was an extra room and, um, that they let us use that was used for camp and all other kinds of things during the summer, and it required an entire day of cleaning before the ladies could even go there to have Bible study. We also used the YMCA and several other churches. So as I remember those days, I'm really thankful for these days. It took about a year and a half when I would come to church for people who were great friends and helpers to say, what can I carry from your car? Because as Pastor Dudley said, we used to have to bring everything with us every week and take it home every week. And we're still having people bring things from their garage, children's ministries, things that they stored for us during those days. But um, they were great times of learning and um, loving and sharing life together. So I'm thankful now that we're already outgrowing the spaces that we have here and that God is honoring us with the privilege and responsibility of expanding our space for children and for adults. And um, I just wanted to take a minute to give you a little tour. So if you take your floor plan and put the blue stripe to the right, we'll take a short tour of the um, classrooms and um, rooms that we're going to be <clears throat> hopefully building. So if you look on the left, you'll see the present area, the shaded area is the location where we are right now in all of the classrooms that we already have. And if you look down at the patio and enter through the door on the right, 
you'll see a centralized check-in area for children's ministries. Um, and we do plan to move all of the children's ministries to the new portion of the building. I want to tell the teens a really cool thing that will be happening is when we move all the little ones over here, the shaded area of all the children's areas is going to be dedicated to our youth group. So we'll have a lot more space because that's growing. We'll have space maybe for, I don't know, pool table, ping pong, who knows. But that's a really exciting thing that could be happening. But if you see the first three classrooms on the right, those are um, early childhood education classes. They have their own restrooms, and they're going to be used on Sundays for preschool kindergarten and first grade, and we're also, this is very exciting, and this is a future plan, but we're exploring the possibility of starting a preschool. And so these rooms are being constructed with that in mind. Um, so that's why each of them has their restrooms and they have an outside um, entrance and exit. There's also gonna be a playground built outside of there. And then if you travel down the hallway a little bit more, you'll see two large classrooms. And imagine these classrooms being used for Sunday morning classes for kids in second and third grade. The second one, as you walk down the hallway, says chair storage, I think. And since the time we started to build these plans, I think it's going to have to be changed because we have so many fourth and fifth graders that we may be reconfiguring that for some fourth and fifth grade classroom space and for chair storage. So that's exciting. Beyond that, you'll see offices for two pastors and a small conference room. And at the back of the building, for all of you adults who have attended classes in the cafe um, with the sound issues and other things, we have some class classroom space that will be used for adults. And you can see that it's two rooms, but that the wall in between is you can move it. So that can become a larger space. And we hope to put some really comfortable seating in there as well as being able to set that up for cl classroom space. So um, what I want to do is I want to invite you to take this. Oh, the other thing I wanted to tell you is that our, um, the two present nursery and preschool rooms will be used for babies and toddlers because we are full there many Sunday mornings. So I want to invite you to take this floor plan home with you and to pray about it and to imagine. Um, imagine children who have never heard the good news of the gospel coming to hear that good news and coming to faith. Imagine Awana clubs, and we already have 80 kids coming. Imagine Awana kids where, uh, clubs where kids will learn to hide God's word in their hearts, where it'll be for their entire lifetime. Imagine a preschool where families from our community and families in our church can bring their little ones. Imagine adults studying God's word and sharing life together. Imagine marriage classes, seminars, Stevens ministry support groups, pastors studying and counseling together. Imagine all the things that God can do. Thank you. We've been working on the plans for this additional space for several months now, and we anticipate getting our building permit as soon as next week, so that's another thing to pray about. Um, we're going to be using a, a local general contractor and local subcontractors for the project, and once we begin construction, it'll take about six to seven months to complete the project. And here's a picture of what our current building with the additional space will look like. This is on your handout as well. I also wanted to let you know that in addition to our building plans, we're continuing to work on our staffing plans in order to expand the ministry and the influence of our church. This past summer, we were delighted to have 
Um, Donna Barrett joined our staff team as our director of children's ministry. We're continuing to search for a youth director, and right now Trisha Biondo is serving in that role. We're very thankful that, that Trisha is doing that so well. We also want to find an additional pastor who can serve on our staff. We need somebody who has strong leadership skills, who can help develop our men's ministry and our small group ministry. And this additional pastor is someone who can work alongside me, somebody who can share teaching and preaching responsibilities. And that's so that in addition to leading our church, I can really um, take advantage of some new opportunities that God is giving me to be involved with pastors um, here in our in our nation. I'm actually coaching two church planters right now, one in North Carolina, one in South Carolina. And I also have um, opportunities to be involved with pastors internationally as well. Church, I'm really thankful um, for all these doors that God is opening for us. And I really do believe this, that where God guides, God provides. And so often God provides through his people. And so in order to pay for this new construction, and in order to retire our current debt, we're launching a new stewardship campaign called Our Foundation, Our Faith, Our Future. And here's what this looks like from a financial perspective. Now, these numbers are close, but they're approximate numbers in terms of our, our financial information. Our current debt is $1.5 million. Our construction cost for the additional building space is $1.5 million. So if you add those two numbers, it comes to $3 million. Now, because of some gifts to our building fund, we now have a balance of a million dollars in our building fund. So what that means, very simply, is that in order to retire all of our debt, and this would be an incredible goal to have a debt-free ministry and to pay for the new construction, we would need our campaign to raise $2 million. And so that's our target. Now, we've got some information about the campaign that we want to give you as sort of a newsletter. So be sure to pick that up on your way out this morning. But let me say this in closing. When I look around at our nation right now, America is in serious trouble. And many of us know that. Our nation is a mess. And as you look at what's happening on the international scene, Chris and I were watching the news last night. There's turmoil in the Middle East. There's this, this clash between Christianity and Islam. And when I'm praying these days, I'm saying, Lord, when are you coming back? Because church, we live in a very crucial time. There are, there are strong forces of darkness that are opposing God. And the church, and despite that, the gospel is advancing in very powerful and very dramatic ways. And church, here's what we need to really think about. God has entrusted to us this gospel, this good news about Jesus that changes everything. This gospel changes our hearts, it changes our homes, our marriages, our families, it changes entire nations. And because of that, this gospel that's been entrusted to the church is the reason that the local church is the hope of the world. Jesus Christ and the good news about Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. God's given me the privilege of being your pastor for, for a number of years now. And I want you to know this. 
I love you. I, I deeply love you. And because I love you, church, I want what's best for you. And to use a phrase from, a, from another, another world, I want you to be all in when it comes to following Jesus. I want each one of you to know the joy and the, the freedom and the sense of purpose that comes from being sold out to Jesus, being a fully devoted follower of Christ and investing your one and only life in building God's kingdom through the local church. And when it comes to Boynton Beach Community Church, I, I deeply believe this, that our best days lie ahead. And here's why. Because our foundation is on Christ. Because our faith is in Christ. And because, church, our future is with Christ. Let's pray. Father, these are exciting times to see you at work in so many ways. And God, looking back, we are just so thankful for your faithfulness. Lord, I think about the incredible things that you've done, just the, the way that you brought us to this particular piece of property. Lord, how you enabled us to have this land donated. Father, I think about the lives that have been changed in so many ways. And Father, as we think about the future, we know this, God, that you're, you're going to do your work, that your kingdom will be built. And what a privilege it is, God, for you to use us in accomplishing that mission. And so, God, as we go through this process of trying to build out this building and retire our debt so that we can use your resources to change more and more lives, God, I pray that you would show each one of us what you want us to do. And God, we talked about it earlier that Jesus Christ is the only safe foundation upon which we can build both a church and our lives as well. And so God, this morning as we sing this final song, I pray that it would be a declaration that our life, our future, our hope is in Christ alone. For we pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand.